Welcome to the Lead Her Ship podcast with your host, Meredith Franklin. Join me every week as I interview different women who share their stories of success through failure. We will be giving valuable tips on relationships, business, health, mindset, and more to help you lead the life you deserve. I'm so excited you're here. Let's jump in. everybody. Today I have my gorgeous friend, Corey Rivers with me. She is a very successful photographer, real estate agent, and bass fisherwoman. She also has an incredible um, nonprofit that she's going to be sharing with you guys in a little bit. Um, she's probably one of the strongest women I know. You guys, seriously, her story is so powerful, so transformational, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, she is always, always finding ways to add value to people's lives. She's so positive, so uplifting. Um, actually, Corey and I met in high school, maybe even middle school, but it's funny because to me, she was like the popular crowd, and I was definitely not the popular crowd in high school. And it's so fun that we were able to reconnect through social media. And on there, you guys, you may see, she's hilarious on social media, but you may see some things that, wow, she's got her life all together. Oh my gosh, how does she do it all? How she's so successful. But really, you guys have to understand from this, the story she's going to share is her set Facts are really her set up to where she is today. So her journey is, is really powerful. And I just want to know, so Corey's going to share with us and dive right into her story and share with us. So Corey, why don't you take us back to where your transformation began, where your journey all began? Hi everybody. And thanks for having me, Meredith. You know, it's people like you that inspire me to keep going too, and women supporting women. So I really appreciate you saying all those kind words. So my transitional journey, as I like to call it, started a little over three years ago. I lived in Southern California for eight years and came back to Northern California. And I was working in property management at the time. And I liked my job. I was doing really well at my job. I actually got promoted three times within the last year that I was there, but something did not feel right inside of me. I felt like I was living to work and not working to live. I was not only dreading going to work, you know, on Sundays before Monday came around, but I also was finding myself counting down the clock every day. So I'd look at my phone and go, oh my gosh, eight hours left, seven hours left, six hours left. And I knew that that wasn't what life was supposed to be like. So because I was in a management position at the time, it was taking up so much of my time. And I knew that I, I didn't have the freedom to go out and search for what really set my soul on fire unless I took a leap of faith. So I talked about it with my family. And I mean, I was so deep into my job that I was losing hair. I developed an eye twitch. I couldn't sleep at night. It was affecting my relationships. It was just a place where I knew that something was wrong. And so I quit my job without knowing really what I was going to do. But for many, many years, my family had told me they thought I would be great in real estate because I have an outgoing personality. I like people. I love people. I love talking to people. So I called a good friend of mine who was a real estate agent locally in the area. And I, and I said, hey, let me take you to lunch. Can I pick your brain? I want to know what you like and don't like about your job. So I, he took me to lunch. And basically after that conversation, I decided this is the route that I wanted to take. I ended up going and getting my real estate license. And by coincidence, at the same time, 
well, coincidence or not, I believe it was fate and it was God planting these seeds inside of me. But at the same time, my brother and my sister-in-law had had my nephew, their firstborn child. And I would take my phone and my camera and just snap photos of them. And my sister-in-law always told me that I was really good and that I should consider starting a business. She would send her photos out to her mommy friends and then slowly but surely people started reaching out to me asking me if I would take their family photos. So I was kind of in this place in my life where it was very exciting, but also really scary because I didn't know what was coming next. I was just kind of taking it as it came, but also taking that leap of faith, knowing that these are the things that I truly enjoy doing. Photography was fueling me artistically, whereas real estate started fueling me financially and in the professional world. So I kind of took both of them at the same time and ran with it. I have now built a photography business that is a little bit more than I can handle, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And then in real estate, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was brand new. There's so many agents in the area who've been in it a very long time. But what happened was that I started to notice that the more I believed in myself, the more other people believed in me. And that's where opportunity started to open up. But it wasn't always like that for you, right? Like you you know, you've gone through some pretty hard things. And so for you to have that belief in yourself, it wasn't there, right? Like from when we talked before, you were like, it was the little things that people would do because you went through something pretty traumatic in your life. And it was a journey to get through those things to where you are and to where that opportunity even came in, where you'd even be open to see that opportunity. Yeah. So kind of around the same time that this was all happening, I had so much going on in my life because I was in this transitional period. I had moved back in with my parents. I was in my late twenties. So that was really hard for me. I had a boyfriend at the time and we didn't have the most healthy, godly relationship. And he had a lot of personal family stuff going on that created a lot of stress in our relationship. And I was changing careers and there was just a lot going on for me emotionally. But let's see. So right when I got my real estate license, my boyfriend and I, we were having a lot of issues and I lived with him, but we also lived with his dad. And two years ago, we came home from our 4th of July trip and found his dad. He actually had committed suicide and he had shot himself. So I took it pretty hard. My boyfriend at the time took it pretty hard and it created even more stress in our relationship. For me, I was struggling with feeling like there, I could have done more in the situation or I should have seen the signs. And then I also like more than anything, the hardest part for me was watching my boyfriend suffer because it's one thing for me to have found his dad like that for him. It just killed me. I couldn't even imagine. So two months after that all happened, I found out that he was actually cheating on me. And that's where I really started to hit rock bottom. Not only did he cheat on me with one of his longtime friends, but he ended up being in a relationship with this person. And I had dated him for almost five years at the time. So I was living with my parents. I hit such a low and such a rock bottom that I would drive my car and park at places just so that my family didn't have to watch how bad I was suffering. I would cry, I would sit in the car and cry. I'm sorry, I get a little emotional talking about it because I remember how low I really was 
at that point in my life. And it just continued to get worse and worse. And I, and I knew I was battling depression. I would dread waking up in the morning and I would go through the day, but I rushed to get home just to hop into bed and go back to sleep because I knew if I was sleeping, I wasn't awake facing it. So I tried to keep myself busy. I tried to surround myself around positive people. That doesn't always work because sometimes when you're going through such rough situations and and you're feeling so low, all you want to do is be alone. You don't want other people to know that you're hurting. And I finally looked myself in the mirror one day and I said, what are you doing? You're letting this situation and this person who clearly didn't respect you and loved you the way that you deserve ruin you. And potentially, I mean, it was, it was getting so bad that it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting me at work. I wasn't focused. I wasn't paying attention to my clients. It was just affecting anything and everything that I did in my life. So when I looked myself in the mirror, I said, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go out there and make something of yourself and get outside this situation. And From that day forward, I made a choice and spent a lot of time praying on it, but I made a choice to wake up every day. And I actually printed out and made this book that I would fill out every day. And it was like, okay, first thing in the morning, wake up, open it, say your prayers, spend time with God, do your devotional. You know, it had a positive quote for the day. And then it was, what are you thankful for? What do you want to accomplish out of the day? What are your goals, short-term and long-term? And every day I would try to take steps in the direction of making my situation better. So once I changed my attitude, which was basically the turning point for everything, once I changed my attitude, I noticed that all these other things started falling into place. Negativity is contagious, but so is positivity. And then I was offered an opportunity in real estate for new construction condos through the developer. And they told me when I got hired, they said, we interviewed agents that have more experience and could probably do a really great job, but we love your attitude. We love your enthusiasm. We love your positivity. And we believe that's going to take you places. And that to me really hit hard because I realized in that moment that it is all about your attitude. It is all about how gracious you are. It is all about what you give is what you get. And so then I noticed the relationships in my life were getting better, but it took a long time to get to that point. And like I said, I was, went through suicide. I went through a very traumatic breakup. I was living with my parents. And this is another really key part of the story that I forgot to mention was because of all the stress that I was under and depression, I actually, I didn't get my period for an entire year. And the doctors were telling me that I potentially could be going through premature menopause that was brought on by stress. And that the every day that would go by that I didn't get my period, I, I would think I lost my ability to have children, which is the number one thing I've always wanted out of life. I feel like I was born to be a mom. So I just was questioning God and wondering like, why, why is this happening? Like, haven't I gone through enough? Haven't I suffered enough? Then when I started changing my attitude, I realized that I'm not in control. God is in control. And whatever's happened to me, whether I'm able to have children or not, it's not, it's not my choice. It's not my plan. I just kind of have to take the situations that I'm dealt in life and do the best that I can and trust that God has a plan because God knows my heart. He knows what I want. So I, I did, I went out there and started projecting positivity and I will never look back. I will never, I can't say never because I don't know the situations in life and we all have weak moments, but 
I will try really hard to continue to keep my momentum and my positivity throughout my life because I know that it really does affect the situation. Yeah. And your positivity, like you just said exactly that. I know Jen Sincero says it too all the time. It's like, if you, you're a magnet in general. So if you're going to put negativity out there, you're going to attract the negativity. If you're putting positivity out there, you're going to attract positivity. And that's exactly what you got in your life. And you are the definition of this podcast name leadership, because like leadership is leading yourself well first. And so you made a decision. It started with you making a decision to change because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So you changed that and you said, I'm going to do something different every morning and I'm going to think on the right things, right? Positivity and say gratitudes and focus forward, right? Your focus was forward instead of behind, which is going to keep you stuck. And so you change that and you change the direction of the way your life's going, right? And I just think that that is such a beautiful thing for anyone listening right now, because it's like 40 million people are suffering with anxiety and depression. I don't know what they went through, but making the decision to change, it's not tomorrow, but it's like today I have control of today (laughs) and you don't even really have control, but it's like, I know what I can control and that's me. And so that's what you started with. And that starting with that attracted you the job, attracted you, people wanted you to work for them. You didn't even know what you were doing in that position. Like that is beautiful. And then you attracted different people into your life. And you said to me too, big things were big things helped you that people would think are really small, like just a smile. People would smile at you and that like radically helped shift things. So now probably you going through that, you know how important just a simple smile is to people because you don't know what they're going through. And so I just think that that's amazing. And through all of this, did you go like, I don't know, did you go to church or did you seek counsel from a person? What was it that kind of even helped you a little bit more get out of this funk? Well, I will answer that question, but I, but I do want to say, you know, in losing myself, I found myself and it was when I finally got that clarity of who I was and who I wanted to be, I had lived so many years because I was in that five-year relationship. And prior to that, I was in a six-year relationship. So really for 11 years, I had been in, in relationships. The, the first one ended in physical abuse and the second one ended in, in just disrespect. But I realized that for 11 years, I had put all my focus into making other people happy. And I was doing nothing to fuel my own fire. I was doing nothing to satisfy my, my own wants and needs. And so when I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to live life for God first, for me second, and my family right there with me, everything started to change. I started chasing my own passions. And one thing I realized is that I started to feel so amazing that I wanted so badly for the people around me to feel amazing. I wanted so badly just to shake people and go, Hey, listen, if you just have a good attitude, amazing things will happen. I got to the point where I realized that nobody else can love you the way that you deserve until you learn to love yourself because you have to wake up and look yourself in the mirror every day. You're the only person that spends every minute of every day with you. And That's also how you learn to set boundaries for yourself and not let people disrespect you. I was in these toxic relationships because I didn't love myself enough to say no. I didn't love myself enough to walk away. So one thing that was a huge part of my healing process as well that went hand in hand with the therapy was forgiveness and making amends with 
not only the situations of my past, but the people in my past. And I realized that the first and most important person that I needed to forgive was myself. And I had realized that every mistake that I was angry with myself for making and every path that I walked down that I was angry with myself for choosing was okay because it's all part of the process. And it, it's made me who I am today. It's taught me the lessons that I never would have learned otherwise. I know there's probably a lot of people out there that are like me that no matter what anybody tells them, they have to learn things the hard way and learn it for themselves. And that's what I felt like I had done. But after I was able to finally learn to forgive myself, I realized that I needed to forgive other people too, because holding on to the anger and the pain was only hurting me and preventing me from being the best version of myself. So, you know, a few months after all that went down with my ex-boyfriend and I, I had written him a letter and it was just letting him know like, Hey, even though you haven't apologized or even though you're not asking for forgiveness, I want you to know that I forgive you because I know you're human and I know you're going to learn from this and you're following your own path. And whatever happens from this is your journey. But all I can do is control my life and my perspective and my journey. And I wish you the best because I truly did love you. And I want you to be happy. I want everybody to be happy. So a year after we had broken up, he contacted me and basically showed all the remorse I had thought I would never get, you know, acknowledged the ways he had hurt me, acknowledged the mistakes he had made. And more important than all of that, acknowledged how he grew as a person and how his own mistakes made him wiser. It made him, um, I, I feel like a lot more mature. And he realized he never wanted to hurt someone in that way again, because in hurting me, he hurt himself. So I'm so grateful for that because being able to make amends with him and we're actually great friends. Now. I mean, we've been through a lot together. We dated for five years and we lived together and we went through a lot of life together and death and growth and job changes and all kinds of things. There's no point to have to hate someone or to hold on to anger because I can look at him now and I feel proud of him for, for where he's come. And I also know that I wouldn't be where I am unless I had gone through that. I'm not saying I would choose it again. And I'm not saying it's okay or that it's ever acceptable to treat someone that way. But God had a plan for everything. I promise you, I definitely went through a process of evaluating the people I had in my life, whether it was just an acquaintance or people that I spent a lot of time with, because it really does rub off on you. You are who, you know, you are the sum of the 10 people you hang around most. And so when I started weeding those people out and making my circle smaller, but more valuable, that's when I noticed I really started to thrive. I surrounded myself around people who believed in me, who wanted to see me succeed, who wanted to help me and support me in any way that they can. Can I am one of the lucky ones who was blessed to be born into a family of the most incredible people. I have parents who are my best friends, a brother who I idolize and, and I have an amazing niece and nephew who are my entire world. And I just live every day to try to be someone they, they are proud of and make myself proud and make God proud. And I 
got to a place where I was so comfortable in my own skin. I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I just wanted to be as authentic and as real as possible. I could sit here and tell you guys that I went through suicide. In my late 20s, I was refiguring out my life. I was going through the possibility of losing children. These are all some things that were so traumatic to me, but I can share them with people because I came out of it stronger. And I know that whatever it is they're going through, because everybody has a journey. We all have failures. We all have downs. We all have circumstances that we did or didn't choose that we're in, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is something better that can come out of it. And believe me, I was in a place at one time where I thought I'm just a failure. Like what is my purpose in life? Not that I was considering committing suicide or anything like that, but I was definitely at a place where I'm like, I'm nothing compared to all these people. And I would look around and I'm like, that person has everything I've ever wanted. What, what makes them deserve it? This person, you know, I'm trying really hard. Why am I not see, reaping the benefits of my hard work? What is wrong with me? But then I realized it's because I was trying to live by my own plan. I was not listening to God and I was not following him and I was not doing things the way he wanted me to. And the second I, I said, let go, let God, that's when I started to see all the things that I've ever wanted start to fall into place. Now, trust me, I have wants and desires and dreams that I have not yet accomplished, but I'm taking steps every day to get to them. And I'm listening to God. And, and if, if I want to go this way and he says, nope, wrong way, go that way. I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust you on this God. Cause every time I've done that, you've steered me in the right direction and things have worked out. So I'm going to do that. And to get back to your question of what are the things that helped me? One was I made sure to put my butt in the seat at church every week because that just helped keep me focused and remind me and, and, you know, you go to church and you get to know people and my church is full of great people, but it's also full of sinners and people you can relate to who also love Jesus, but can say, Hey, yes, I make mistakes. I did this wrong, but this is how I picked myself up. And that's the encouragement that I need. I don't want people sitting there pretending that their life is perfect. Like nothing's wrong. I want to surround myself around people who have also made mistakes because those are the people that are strong. Those are the people that are wives. And so some like you, Meredith, I mean, I've known Meredith since high school or maybe even middle school. We knew each other. We weren't great friends and we have developed a great friendship through social media and just realizing that our mentality is on similar wavelengths. We think similarly in the sense that we love Jesus. You know, we love ourselves. We love our family and we want to spread that to other people. I think my friends and my family know that there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. You know, I would drop anything for anybody, even a stranger, no questions asked to help people. This is one of the ways I feel like I can help people is by just leading by example and sharing my, I don't want to say success, but sharing my transition and the hurdles I've overcame and being raw and honest with them. I feel like that's the most powerful thing you can do because then people can relate to you more. And it positively affected my real estate business. You know, people are able to trust you more with their finances and with big life decisions like purchasing a home when they feel like you're honest and you can be real with them. And then same thing with my photography. One thing has led to another and it went from my sister-in-law encouraging me to take that one little step and now I realized I had it a year ago. I had a dream one night and it all stemmed from being in the lowest place. I was in such a low place. I literally thought to myself, what could be worse than this? And, and the answer that came to my mind was the day I lose one of my parents, my, my best friends. I had a dream and, and this 
dream, I started this charity to help people battling terminal illnesses. And I woke up in the morning and it was one of those moments when you're like, wait, did, have I thought about this before? Like, was, was that real? Is that not real? And from that point forward, I prayed on it and I knew like that came into my head for a reason and I ran with it. And so I'd like to share that too, if that's okay, Meredith. Share all of that. Cause that's something that I'm so excited about for you. Okay. So after that came to me in a dream, so what it is, is basically it's called life through heaven's lens. And the meaning behind the name is, you know, obviously the lens part is because it's via my photography, but life through heaven's lens is basically the view of the world and of life through people who are battling terminal illnesses. Because when we're all dying every day, we all have an end date and when you're actually given a specific timeline, it changes your mentality because you're thinking all kinds of things. Not that I know from experience, but just doing research and talking to people, you're thinking, what did I do wrong in my life? What did I do right in my life? You know, what can I do in the time I have left? What's most important to me? What chances did I not take that I, that I regret? And unfortunately, we don't all live like that on a daily basis, although we should. And I feel like through everything I went through, I'm kind of trying to live my life more that way. But my project has two separate sides to it. So one of them is a book where I interview and photograph terminally ill patients doing whatever they want. You know, I want them to be spoiled for the day. So for the women, we have their hair and makeup done and they can be at home. They could be doing their favorite activity. If, they, if they're in the hospital and, and they're not able to leave, we can do some sort of photo shoot there and they can either be by themselves or have their family come, whatever it is that they want. One side of each patient will have one page, both sides, and one side of it will be their photo, their favorite photo from our session. And the other side of it is gonna be a blurb of whatever it is, that, what they want people to know, how to live life like you're dying. And I don't want it to be something sad. I don't want it to be emotional. I want everybody and anybody to be able to pick up this book, read it and go, wow, maybe I'm, I need to change my perspective a little bit. I was talking to my dad a couple of days ago and he said, you know, I'm in my seventies, best case scenario. I have 20 years left of my life. And I just got to a point where I want to live each day doing the things that I love most and the things that I love most are my family. So I'm going to spend as much time with my family as I can in my last 20 years, best case scenario. And that really hit me because I feel like, why do you have to wait till you're 70 to do that? Why do you have to wait till you're close to retirement to do that? Why can't you live like that now? Why can't you cherish those moments down? Like you gave up social media temporarily, maybe permanently, and it's blessed your family and your life. Like maybe we all need to put our phones down a little bit more and go spend more time with the people that we love because you can't get that time back. And when you're on your deathbed, that's going to be your regret. Your regret's not going to be like not checking someone's Facebook update. It's going to be, wow, I was too busy looking at my phone and doing this. I missed my kid's score that basket in the game that he was so excited about that he talked about for years. And so that's one portion of my project. And of course, whoever wants to participate is welcome to. I can't force anybody. But the second part to the project is the one that I think is a little bit more special and meaningful. So it's between the terminally ill patient and whomever they choose. I'll give you a couple of examples just to explain myself a little bit. So one of them is, let's say, a man that's been married for 50 years and he now found out he has pancreatic cancer and he's going to pass. And we do this photo shoot or whatever. And then 
he wants to participate in this life through heaven's son. So it's meant to be kept a secret from the family member. Let's say he wanted to make this book for his wife. What he's going to do is I'm going to sit down with him. I'm going to ask him all kinds of questions, get the answers, maybe get some pictures that he wants to submit throughout his life. Then I'll put the book together. And what the book is going to be is each page can be something different. He could talk about whatever he wants, his favorite memories, the day he felt or the way he felt on their wedding day, their favorite vacation, or that one time they were sitting on the couch and they had a, a big laugh about whatever. And then at the very end of the book, there's going to be a voice recording box where he can leave a voice message to his wife saying whatever he wants to say. I've done a lot of interviewing in this past year. I've done a lot of research and in that interviewing, I found that a lot of people who've lost someone say voicemails because they want to be able to hear their loved one's voice. Well, voicemails are great, but Hey Jack, it's mom. Just calling to check in on you and see how your day was. Give me a call when you can. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Like that's great. But what about having a voice recording box from someone who knows they're dying that can say everything they want to say to where you can listen to it. And it's that much more meaningful because it's directed with the intention of knowing that this is what they're going to hear while you're gone. So once the book is completed, hardcover, I mean, I have big plans for this book, but post death, unfortunately it sounds morbid, but I promise you there's a positive intention post-death. I call up the family member and say, your husband left a gift for you and let me know when you're ready to receive it. And whenever they feel emotionally ready to receive it, I will drop it off to them and they can look at it every single day or they can put it up on their shelf and not look at it for 20 years. If, if it's too hard, whatever it's up to them. But I just feel like it's such an impactful, meaningful gift because it's directed it's with intention and it's, specific to that person filled with all their life memories. I mean, they can even share memories that the other person didn't know about or different scenario. It could be a mother who's battling breast cancer and she has young kids and she's going to pass and she wants them as they get older to know who their mom was and to be able to hear her voice. So yeah, this is something that I truly feel like I was born to do. I love real estate and I give a lot of attention to real estate because that's how I provide for my, myself. And I love photography. It brings me a lot of joy capturing moments and making people smile and, and seeing all the love between all the families. But I truly believe that God planted the photography seed in me to get me to this project and lead me in this direction. Because now that I've done my research and I'm starting to talk, to, talk about it, I have so many more people interested and in wanting to be involved in any way, shape and form than I ever expected. And it's mind blowing to me, but that is also giving me confirmation that this is not something that I thought of. This is something that God planted in me and I am meant to do this. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to be the person he chose to lead this. And I want and will do big things with this. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes because I know that like I said, the worst day of my life is the day I lose one of my parents. And if I had something special like this given to me, or I know that they put a lot of thought and heart into it, it would be the most important tangible I have in my life. And aside from it benefiting the person that's left behind, I would like to think that while I'm sitting there interviewing the person who's ill Instead of dwelling on what they're leaving behind, I can help them remember all the good times in their life and think about all the positive things and then also feel grateful they're leaving something so special behind for the people that they love most. So 
I am very grateful as I was saying, and you know, if anybody wants to participate in any way, I would love that. I've, I've photographed, I actually, like I said, as soon as I decided that this, I knew this was something I was supposed to be doing, people started falling in my lap. And one of them was a good friend of mine who I lived, I knew when I lived in Southern California and unfortunately she's battling breast cancer and she's also a mom. So I said, Hey, you know, do you want to be a part of my project? I told her about it. She was totally on board. She said, well, why don't you come down to LA? My family's going to be shaving my head because I'm going through chemo and I'm going to lose my hair, but I'd rather be in control. And I, and my family's going to shave my head. I said, absolutely. So I left my house at like five in the morning at like seven 30 in the morning. I, you know, halfway down to LA, I get a call from her and she was really upset. And she said, you know, you don't need to come. And I was like, why? And she's like, she had long, long black hair. And she was starting to braid her hair because the chemo was making it very stringy and, and, and it's starting to get like fall out. So she had braided her hair at night. And when she woke up in the morning, it was all knotted. And so she wanted to rebraid it. Well, when she went to go rebraid her hair, she literally pulled the entire braid out of her head. So she had, she showed, sent me a picture. She had hair here, but this whole thing of hair was gone in the back. And it was traumatic for her. You know, she knew that was coming, but she didn't expect it to happen that way. I said, I don't care. I'm on my way. I'm there to support you. So I got down to LA. I actually went to her chemo treatment. I think we were at the hospital for like eight hours. Then I went with her, her family and her boyfriend to the wig shop in downtown Hollywood and photographed her trying on wigs, which I got some really cool shots of her looking in the mirror and everything. I also have another patient who wants to do a photo shoot under this is her third time battling cancer. And she has also a single mom of two boys. She wants to do a photo shoot underwater holding boxing gloves, signifying that she feels like she's drowning, but she's still going to put up a fight. I thought that was super powerful and she's a makeup artist. So she also wants to do the makeup for future patients. I'm so excited about this project and I'm so excited about all the people that want to be involved. I know it's going to be something that's hard for me because as you can tell through this podcast, I'm a super emotional person and I'm very sensitive, but I believe that there's a bigger purpose for this and I'm willing to go through whatever ups and downs to get to the end result. It's been so hard the whole time you've been talking. I've like choking back tears. This is such a beautiful thing. Like everything that you're saying, I'm like, I want someone to do that for me. I want to be able to do that for somebody else, like for my family. I mean, I can think of loved ones that we've lost. And just recently, it would have been amazing to have these last words from them. I couldn't be there, you know? And so, and I tried calling, but like, they're not aware of what's going on. And so not being able to hear their voice and like just specifically my grandpa's laugh, you know, like that type of thing, like, Oh, it just plays over and over. Yeah. And so it is so emotional. Like this is beautiful. And I know that God has such massive plans for this. And like, this is, I love, I get dreams from the Lord. And so like, it's so cool that you also got a dream. I just think it's so just significant and that you're being obedient in that despite like maybe your emotions like hey I don't want to like cry in front of people or I want to stay strong like it is so beautiful that you are stepping into this and I want to do whatever I can do to support you and so make sure that you can tell us hey tell us how people can reach you so tell us like if it's your Instagram handle please say it and then maybe a website or whatever you need to say tell us and then we'll also have it in the show notes yeah so I mean I kind of think about it. Like when I thought about this and who my audience would be, because in my interviewing process, I ask people, be honest with me. What's your opinion on this project? Give me the positives, give me the negatives, because it may help me tweak this a little bit. And every single person has tweaked my project in one way or another. But one thing that someone asked me, well, who's your audience? 
And I thought about Shark Tank actually in that moment. You know, they're like, you know, we want to invest in this, but there's not enough people that would buy this. And I think, well, that's a no brainer for this. Who's my audience? Anyone and everyone, because we all know somebody who personally, directly, either family or friends who has battled a terminal illness or indirectly, like a friend of a friend, everybody knows somebody. And even if you don't, the first part of the project, that book, anybody can pick that up and I want them to be inspired by it. So if you want to reach me, my Instagram handle is life through heaven's lens. And if anybody knows somebody that wants to be a part of the project, or if you want to be involved as far as the financial backing, currently I'm carrying it on my own, but I do have people who, nonprofits who would like to be involved. I'm just figuring out the legal stuff behind that because I want it to be at no cost to the patient, to their family. I want it all just to be a gift that they can give. And I want to be the one to help facilitate it. So I really believe in this and I appreciate everybody. I do have a Facebook that's also Life Through Heaven's Lens. And I will be having a website coming soon uh, where you can look at all my photos that I've taken. I'm also going to be posting on my Instagram page photos of the patients and giving little excerpts there. And then obviously once I have enough patients to complete the book, I'll announce a launch on that. So I would appreciate any and all inquiries. I won't be able to unfortunately take on everybody right now because I don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it. So I really want people who are in powerful situations. When I actually was in the chemo treatment with my friend, I was sitting in the waiting room while she was back. They only allow a certain amount of people back at the time. So her mom was back there with her and I was sitting in the waiting room and I saw these three girls. It was a mom and her two daughters. One of them was visibly extremely pregnant, no hair. She obviously had cancer and she gets taken back in the doctor and I overheard the mom and the daughter talking and I couldn't believe what I heard. So I started talking to them and telling them what I was doing. Turns out this mom was she was married, but she had four kids at home and she was pregnant with twins, number five and six. She had leukemia and they weren't able to give her the treatment that she needed for the leukemia because she was pregnant and she had terminal leukemia. So she was going to pass. They were just trying to figure out the best way medically to keep her alive, to keep the babies alive so that she could at least deliver healthy babies before she went. I mean, talk about a powerful situation. What in life could be worse than that? Leaving four kids behind, pregnant with two, battling a life-threatening illness. I cannot imagine what that poor woman was feeling, knowing that she was going to leave these people behind. So those are the types of situations. I'm not saying that, you know, the other situations aren't important, but I just want this to be a very powerful experience. So if I am unable to take someone on, please don't take it personally. I eventually want to get to the point where I have other photographers hopefully even in other states that jump on board and we can make this a national thing where we can take on a lot more people. I love the grand vision. That's my favorite thing. Cause I'm thinking that too. I'm like, okay, who do I know who I can connect? That's like my favorite thing to do. And so, you know, if you are someone who is a photographer who loves her vision, contact her. If you are someone who wants to donate to this, please contact her. Oh, if you are great at building websites and want to give her a gift and yeah. help build a website for free, please contact her. That would be awesome. Any way that you can give to her. I just want you guys to hear her story, what she went through and how she made it. Like I listened to the sermon and he said that God loves to build his foundation on broken ground. 
He finds the people. I mean, if you go back in the Bible, there's like so many stories, but he finds the people that are so broken so that when he builds his foundation there, you only know it's God. You only know it's miracles because it would never be out of our self strength, like to accomplish those things. So I just, I love that. And that God's hand is in it and everywhere. And so I know blessings going to flow. Um, before we go, I want to ask you really quickly, before we leave the person who maybe went through some things similar to you, what do you want to tell them to do? Like, what is one piece of advice, one, two, three pieces of advice that you could give to the person who possibly is going through this right now? What's, what are some steps they can take to lead their life right now? Well, fortunately, I haven't been through that situation on my own, but from talking to a lot of people, one thing is mindset. And that's another reason that I want to do this. Not only the mindset of the people surrounding the person who's ill, but the person who's ill. If you can maintain positivity, it could prolong your life. That's why you see people who are given, you know, let's say they're given two to four years to live and here they are on year eight and they're still alive. I truly believe those people are fighting it mentally and killing it with positivity. And that's why they're still here. So don't give up hope. Know there's people watching you and praying for you and fighting for you. And then for the family members, help them stay positive. And just remember, death is a part of life. We don't always understand why we're dealt the cards we are and why we're in the circumstances that we are. But life is so short compared to eternity. There's a meaning and there's a purpose behind everything. And I think the worst part about all these situations is watching people that you love suffer. So I can't even begin to imagine what it feels like to see people that you love going through that. But you have to remember that they're going to be in a better place. My dad always tells me, and we actually, a couple days ago had a heart to heart. That was a very tough conversation because I was, I was telling him about this because I have a nonprofit that is interested in providing finances for this project and I'm so excited about it. But I was explaining to him, you know, how fearful I am of losing one of them. And, and my dad said, what the heck is there to be afraid of? He said, when we die, you're not, you don't, don't cry for us. We're just an eternity. We're, you know, we're with God. We're in a way better place. If you're going to cry, you're going to cry for yourself being selfish, knowing how your, your life is now going to be affected, but you can't be sad for too long because your life is temporary too. And your life is short. And you, before you know it, you're going to be up there with us. So I do want to reiterate to people in regards to my entire story that things always get better. You know, things always get tough and whatever it is that you want to do in your life, go out and do it. Stop wasting time doing things that you think you're supposed to be doing or working in a job that isn't satisfying you. If you have goals and dreams, get out there and find a way to make them happen because you don't know what you're capable of. And one thing I've learned these past few years is things are actually way more easily obtainable than you think. We put roadblocks in our own head. Oh, that's going to be so hard. Oh, that's no one's going to want to participate in that. If you believe in yourself, other people will believe in you. If you believe in your passion, other people will believe in it and you'll get the support you need. Not to mention if it's God's will, he will find a way. He will provide whatever is necessary to help you get there as long as you're being true to yourself. And we all have something to offer. It's different, it comes in many different shapes and sizes, but we all have a way to be powerful. And it, it starts internally. It starts with believing in yourself and surrounding yourself around the right people and you know, not being afraid to fall. Because I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now and I wouldn't be in the situation. I wouldn't live in this little apartment that I love so much and have the friends that I have and the relationship with my family that I have if I didn't first fall on my ASS because 
it took me hitting rock bottom, my rock bottom, to realize what matters and to realize that I wanted to fight for my own happiness and for what I feel is my, my purpose is in life. You cannot go wrong following through on a decision that's made after prayer. If you pray about it and God says, do it, you're not making the wrong decision. Although it might feel that way at times for a while, eventually you'll figure it out and you'll realize the reason why you got that got put on your heart. So, and aside from my life through heaven's lens and my photography and my real estate, I want people to know that anybody can call me at any time regarding any situation or scenario. I mean, if you want to just call and tell me about what you're going through in your life and, and you want advice or you just want an ear to listen, I'm here for you. Even if we've never met, like I want to help people feel what I feel. I want people to know that somebody cares and I care about everybody, whether I know them or not. I want everybody to be successful. That's so good. And one of my favorite things that you said in the podcast is in losing myself, I found myself. And I think that that was a critical moment. Obviously it was a critical moment in your life to wake up and live for today. And just like today is like your last and really impacting people's lives with that purpose of adding value in any way, shape or form. I love that you wear your heart on your sleeve. You totally do. You are as authentic as authentic gets. And I want this specific podcast to go viral. You guys, this is critical that you share this podcast with your friends so that they know about this project. This project to me, like now I'm like, I didn't know all of this stuff. So I'm so excited. I cannot wait for this to get into other people's hands and for it to go viral and people to have their stories shared and for children possibly to get this book and say, wow, like I have been living selfishly or I've been living on my phone and not awake to the world and living in purpose. So hopefully this, go I mean, I can see this going viral. I can see your book just going crazy and people really needing you to have a team, Corey. You're going to need a team of people <laughs> to help you get this just to go crazy. So thank you for all that you gave us today. I am so thankful for you and I know you're a busy woman. So you guys, thanks for joining us and listening and make sure to leave a review and comment so that she knows, you know, people, if you've got questions or anything, you can leave a review and a comment, but share this with your friends. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming and joining us. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you loved most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.